Hey, we're back. We're live. It's a given Friday. How do I know it's Friday? Because we have Trump Week. That's why. That's how I know it's Friday. Tim Apicella and me and Cynthia Sinclair. We talk about what Trump did this week or didn't. We talk about the interaction of Trump and other branches of government. And we try to figure out, connect the dots, where we're going here in this government, this country. So, um, hi, Tim. Thank you for coming down Morning, Jay. again. It's always good. 11 o'clock. I'm happy to be here. Cynthia is still in Alabama. But she sent an email, and I want to read it, okay? Okay. <clears throat> it is profoundly different here in terms of the way people feel about Trump. The questions I ask, how do you feel about Trump? Response from everyone I ask, <laughs> best president ever. Hmm? Uh, where do you get your news from? Response, Fox News is the only trustworthy news source. All others are fake news. How, how do you feel about the children at the border? Response, they should not have come here in the first place. So they deserve what they get. Ah, Alabama. Few, if any, know that, that the centers are private for profit. Only three out of the 25 people I spoke with said they don't pay attention to what's happening and believe that all politicians lie. Uh, okay, she can't be with us today, but and she misses us, and she wants us to look at a particular quote from Maisie Hirono, which I'm going to read to you now. This is a, I guess it's a, yeah, Senator Maisie Hirono. Kids packed into detention facilities. A father and daughter drowned in the Rio Grande. If you saw these photos and felt no shame or pain. If you weren't appalled, then something is dead or dying in your heart. We have a crisis of conscience in our country. That is Cynthia's contribution to our discussion today. Well, my initial action is, first off, good for her for getting all these um, interview quotations. And secondly, I couldn't agree with uh, Senator Hirona more. I think we are in a moral, uh, a moral dilemma, an ethical dilemma, and it's like many, 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 many people in our nation are just numb. Yeah. They're desensitized. Yeah. And we've talked about this many times during this show. Yeah. There's a piece on uh, NPR this morning with Amy Walters uh, evaluating exactly what people are thinking. Uh, Heidi, uh, Heidi Heitkamp was her name, mm -hmm. used to be a senator. Right. Um, and she was speaking to her about uh, the, the thought in rural America. They're very conservative, by definition, in rural America. And that is going to be a big player in this election coming soon. So unless the Democrats can establish that they're reasonable, that they're kind of in the middle, uh, that they're, they do what they say and they say what they do, you know, the, the rural America, middle America way of looking at things, they're not going to have rural America. Um, you know, the issues the Democrats are spending time on, which is according to Heidi, um, are the wrong issues. Uh, they've got to be speaking to rural America because that is going to be the swing in this election. There are a lot of people and they do vote. Um, so this is of great concern. You know, Trump's uh, uh, approval rating went up to 44 percent, according to the last thing I saw. I saw something else that said it was 47 percent. So, um, it, you know, this is a big threat now. He's, he's roaring back. Yeah. Um, and, and people apparently support him no matter what he does. The more, no matter how crazy, nasty, mean, 
uh, or ill-advised his policies are. And that goes to the quotation of what's going on with the conscience of America. How is that happening? And of course, we know why all the senators, the Republican senators, are, are, are very silent about everything is because they're just worried about keeping their job and not being uh, primaried. Uh, so everyone's sitting on their thumbs. They're not speaking their, you know, their minds. They're not protesting outrageous behavior and outrageous words from our president. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's becoming a snowball effect, if you will. Well, and then we have, you know, the fragmentation on the Democratic side, which is something to discuss this week. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen a number of articles about the, the feud, if you will, uh, between Nancy Pelosi and uh, AOC mm -hmm. and her group of four, what they call it, the squad. Yeah. It's called the squad. And the press is covering this, and they are feeding the press, especially AOC, feeding the press about how she's being disrespected and what Nancy is doing is, uh, is hateful and, uh, and racist. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You know, this is not a good thing for the Democrats. You can't fight among yourselves and have a public spectacular this way. AOC is very dangerous to the effort to unseat Trump. It's very clear that she is a destructive character. She's, she's really off my positive list. She's on my other list right now. And I, and I think she ought to stop. And that's, and that's what a lot of the moderates in the Democratic Party are telling her. Stop already. Enough. Um, but she is, you know, persisting in creating this fragmentation and having an argument among the Democrats. This is really dangerous for the effort to unseat Trump. Well, you know, if it was the days of Tip O'Neill, I mean, he, he had a tight grip on the House, and it was the old saying, if you want to get along, you go along. Apparently, she's not doing it. And uh, this is, I think, quite different than what we saw years ago with the conservative, uh, you know, the conservative move to, to change things in the Republican side. And, but this is a group of four, not a group of 20 or 25. Right, good point. Yeah. So I think Nancy is capable of handling this. Uh, I think AOC is uh, ingenue. Um, and she doesn't realize the uh, destructive power of her efforts. I, I continue to, to lay it at her feet, um, you know, that the Long Island City Amazon project uh, failed. Um, she attacked it. Um, I, I don't think she has the judgment that, that we would expect of her. And that's being revealed in many ways and many issues. Uh, so I'm very concerned that she's creating such a, a consternation in the party uh, that, that Nancy looks weaker. Uh, that there are there are others in the in the in the Congress who are, um, you know, at risk um, in elections and the like. We have really got to yep. we the Democrats have really got to get, get together. I always say, remember though, you're you're elected by your constituents in your hometown, in your home state, and if you become a pariah, how effective are you going to be representing their interest when you're set off in a corner? So she's almost at that stage right now. Oh, I, I believe she is. Yeah. She's a pariah. I, I, yeah. She and her friends—they're all pariahs, and they're all, you know, playing a, a song, a tune. Well, that we they're doing it for accept. their own. They're doing it for their own pat on the back because, again, her constituents are not being well served by this. I agree. Yeah, grandstanding. Yep. Well, let's go through, through some of the other issues. I mean, a high point this week was the whole thing about uh, Jeffrey uh, Epstein. Yeah. Uh, the multimillionaire, billionaire, if you will, who was uh, currying favor with uh, Clinton and also with Trump, uh, who most recently distanced himself. Um, after uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, got in trouble with, uh, was it sex trafficking of, of minors? Yeah, um, that's pretty gross, and he's been pretty close to government. Yeah, um, and you know what effect is that going to have on? Well, you can distance if you want, but um, 
And Bill Clinton is not out of this either. No. I mean, you watch Fox, they're saying Bill Clinton, you know, went to the island with Epstein 27 times. Now, I don't know where that number comes from, but, you know, they're, the Republicans say, hey, it's Bill Clinton. The Democrats are saying, hey, I think it's Trump. And Trump doesn't help himself when he has quotations like this out there in the, in the marketplace. I think this was with, um, back in 2005, remember uh, Donald Trump was the owner of the Miss Teenage USA pageant. Mm -hmm. And when you have quotes like this that come back up in, in lieu of these kind of environments of Epstein and, and child molestation, uh, it doesn't help to have these kind of quotes. And that is, I'll go backstage, everyone's getting dressed, and I'm allowed to go in because I'm the owner of the pageant. They're standing there with no clothes, and you see these incredible looking women. I sort of get away with that kind of stuff. 2005. And some of those, those, those girls, those children, were. 14 years old. So as much as he would like to moonwalk away from his association with Epstein, we have quotations like this that won't quite allow him to do that. And then he made, he made a, a comment that's been quoted many times about how Epstein um, you know, liked beautiful women, especially the young ones. Yes. And he admired Epstein for that. So, um, What degree know, did he have knowledge of this going on? Yeah, well, there's more that we don't know about. Yeah, we from. don't. But and this suggests it. And I guess in order to quell the disturbance over this, uh, they got rid of Acosta, uh, the one who made that plea bargain deal as U.S. attorney uh, in New Jersey. Rightly so. It? Rightly so. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was a filthy deal. It was obvious. Yeah. Uh, he never really served time. He got a year's, uh, a year's sentence, uh, but he, he went, I think, one day a week and hung around the jail. Uh, rest of the time, he was in his office. As usual. Yeah. yeah, he was yeah. in his own yeah. home yeah. office. Yeah. So. So, I mean, you but know, again, I, I think Costa quit just yesterday. Yeah, and um, that's a good thing that he did. But I, yeah. but I suspect that he would not have quit without consulting with Trump. And and the conclusion with Trump and his advisors was this was going to keep on going, and it was going to have a, a, a you know a negative effect on Trump and his image until Acosta quit. And then you know, as it works, things cool down. Well, let's look at how many people have, quote unquote, quit in the administration. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So the swamp, clearing out the swamp as a campaign promise, not so much. Yeah. You know. This takes me to, you know, this whole thing about the, uh, the subpoenas. Yesterday I caught C-SPAN and uh, 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 Jerry uh, Nadler and mm -hmm. was, um, you know, eliciting a vote on uh, whether to authorize him to issue the subpoenas to all these people. And a lot of these people were former staff, former staff within the last couple of years, former staff. I mean, it's a, it's a parade of former it's staff. It's a cornucopia of names. It is. <laughs> I, if I may, Gerald Kushner, Jeff Sessions, Rod Rosenstein, Michael Flynn, John Kelly, Rob Porter, former staff, um, uh, staff guy, um, aide to Rob Porter, Rick Dearborn. I mean, let's go on. I mean, it's, there's about five more in there. Oh, there are. Yeah. Okay. All kinds of shapes and sizes, and and you got to say, my God, you know the the number of people who have been through that office and who are now, you know, at risk of being subpoenaed, well, are being subpoenaed. It's extraordinary. I mean, he he has left a trail. This is just like a reality show. I, I have to ask the question again and again, and and I never get the answer I'm literally looking for. And maybe um, Maisie Hirona gave it to us this afternoon. And her quotation is, "If this was any other administration." Where would, we, where would we be and what would the, the uh, favorability ratings be for that president? And where are the people in Obama, you know, I mean, in Alabama, where are the people in Alabama getting their information from? Fox News, 
So Fox News is essentially the sole source, and that's what it's telling yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I would also argue on the radio, probably Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, right. There must you be know, a lot of radio um, there, too. You know. Um, but the old quotation, I could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and no one will care. It's true. He knew in advance. Anyway, um, a, lot of the, a lot of things have happened this week. There's the census. That was another, um, wow. what do you call it, a moonwalk thing? A moonwalk, a somersault, a well, cartwheel. It's another one in the process. So, so he says, okay, he says, I'm putting the question on. The Supreme Court calls him on that, says, no, you've got to go back for more. He tries to change his team out, legal team, okay? Because That's the first team can't find a reason. So <laughs> and he pulls the second team in. Uh, then the federal court said, uh, no, no, you can't do that without explaining why you're getting rid of the first team. Uh, and it's getting good now. So he drops it. He drops it. He's, he's stumped on that. Well, he was going to go with an executive order to put the census on anyway around right. the Supreme Court. And then, then he says he's going to do an executive order, and yeah. then he drops that and gives up on that. But the, the, simultaneously, he announces that the, that the Homeland Security and the Border Patrol are going to do these, these midnight um, arrests uh, in, in various cities, and he names the Is that the a cities. shiny object? Is that a shiny object or a distraction to get away from the fact that he lost on this 2020 census fight? Uh, I think it's a good point. I think I would conclude I don't know. that. I mean, this is just a, it's a way of excusing the fact that he retreated. I, I do want to say one thing about this, this defeat of Donald Trump's. And I, I am thankful that he didn't push us into a constitutional crisis by trying to some, you know, go around a, a Supreme Court decision that he finally realized, I'm not going to get what I want. Now, He's trying to cover it up by saying, I'll have the Department of Commerce come up with some alternative data. We'll use that for what we ultimately want. Well, they've been working on that a year. Like that's many not, things, it's not, not going to happen. It's not going to pan out. The news story is going to go away with it, and it'll be forgotten. And he never had a failure. He could still claim his own. The people his own, in Alabama he can claim his own, he he claim his own victory on this. He had a lot of failures. And if you look carefully, as we do here on Trump Week, you will see another set of failures around the census and around this ridiculous, he's going to what, he's going to arrest a million people in their homes over the weekend, lots of luck. Uh, we're going to take a short break just to consider right. that, let that assimilate into our brains, and we'll come back. Okay, there's more there on this very same issue. There was this thing in kind of the Rose Garden or one of the porticos there in the White House where um, Barr uh, made some comments and, and uh, complimented, complimented Trump on a number of points. 
What was that all about? How sad. How sad that the attorney general, a top cop in this country, has to go out there and be a cheerleader for Donald Trump in, in trying to um, elevate his failures. Uh, I believe he said, you know, we just wanted to thank you uh, for, for your executive order to come up with the alternative data. He didn't have to do that. No, but, but why Trump did he? told him to do it. He That's why. He was told to do he it. He bends over for Trump all the time. Now, what is that called? It's called a lackey. Yeah. He, is the, he is the attorney general of this country, and he is such a transparent lackey. And it's sad. It's sad to see someone transformed into that. Why does the word stooge come to mind? It just does come to mind. I'll take that word. All right. Let's go to, let's go to technology. Yeah. So, um, I don't know all the details, but there was this meeting, I think, yesterday in the White House among um, technology companies, especially social media companies, big tech companies, okay? And a couple got disinvited or uninvited. One of them was uh, Facebook, one of them was Twitter. Mm -hmm. yep. What was going on with that, Tim? Well, there's history on this. Um, back in April, uh, the CEO, Jack Dorsey from Twitter, was sitting in the Oval Office. This was all on video and we saw it on TV. And basically, Trump was really, really disturbed that he was losing accounts off his Twitter followers. He was losing them. In fact, he lost 6 million followers. And he got really incensed over that. And then CEO Jack Dorsey just said, hey, sorry, but we delete fake accounts or spam accounts. And really, he was not pleased over that at all. And he didn't think he's getting a fair shake from social media. And so that's some of the background music to have this meeting here recently. And you're right. They, all his would-be enemies that's not, you know, putting on everything for Donald Trump, whether it's fake accounts or not, um, he's very upset. Yeah. And what's interesting is that he cuts people off his Twitter list. Apparently, you're able to do that. Uh, if he doesn't like what they say in, in, in their comments back. And uh, that went to a federal district court yeah. this week. And the court said, no, you, you can't do that. You're a public official. You can't silence you can't, your critics. Yeah, you can't silence your critics. It's a, this is a public conversation. You can't silence your critics. Isn't it funny how Donald Trump you know, really promotes the First Amendment when it suits his purpose? And then the second it doesn't, he doesn't value the First Amendment? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You, know, talk, you were talking a minute ago about this, um, this uh, press conference uh, where Barr complimenting Trump. I watched that on C-SPAN. And uh, I watch more C-SPAN these days, I'll tell you the truth. And um, at the end of the conference, um, the cameras focused on the press that was there. There were quite a few, a hundred anyway. Um, and the, the crowd was breaking up. And uh, or they were calling questions to him, but he didn't answer any questions. It was, it was all theatrical. He wouldn't yes. answer any questions. And then the crowd was breaking up, and they were talking to each other. And C-SPAN was catching some of the... Some of the sidebar conversations, yeah, yeah. So, right. Sidebar conversations and the gestures and and the facial expressions of the press and it was really disdain. It was contempt for what was going on. And a hundred people there, and a lot of them, you know, it was a scene to watch the contempt arise after he walked off without answering any of their questions. That's what we got. You know, he's trying to dump on the press and the first First Amendment every well, day. We every haven't press had conference. press conference for so long. I mean, at what point does the media have access to what's going on in this administration? And the answer is question. zero to none, practically. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what the new uh, press uh, secretary will do. Yeah. I'm not optimistic. No, nor I. So, uh, okay, so, uh, so that was really strange because he's dumping on the very company, Twitter, that is his channel 
you know, to the public uh, and Facebook, uh, you know, who I guess he liked before, he doesn't like anymore. Um, what, you know, the thing is that this is, a, this is madness. This is a, no rhyme, no reason, and, and it's really sick. And, and uh, I sent you a video I saw on YouTube where they defined the elements of a psychopathy, and it, it really sounded a lot like him. I think it was, it was made to refer They're using to some it. of his personality quirks, um, but the suggestion in this video, and it was a professional video, uh, was that he's, he's, he's got a big problem. I hate to say it, but a lot of psych classes are using Donald Trump as the poster child for some of these psychological problems. Yeah, I mean, even if he, even if he was faithful to his own attempts to diminish the press, it's so bizarre what he does. He's kicking the hand that feeds him, in a, in a sense. It's strange because I think Donald Trump is smart enough to know that social media is as valuable as what John Kennedy thought TV, television was. And he's right. It is. It's extremely valuable. And so why would you um, make arch enemies of the CEOs that do have some say as to what content will and will not go on social media? It's a dynamic. You know, at the beginning, I think he effectively, um, you know, although he was doing crazy things then as now, um, he effectively manipulated the press. Uh, he's good at that. He's done all his life, really, in New York real estate. Um, but I think the press is getting wise to him. I think the individual reporters are getting wise to him. They stand up to him more, uh, and they write against him more. I mean, if you look at the number of articles and papers that I read, uh, which I consider you know, much more balanced than, much more balanced than Fox News, um, most of the articles about him are negative, you know, think about it. Anyway, uh, in fact, nearly all. Let's talk about uh, the, the spat with Britain. Oh. So we don't have enough trouble in terms of dealing with foreign policy and diplomatic relations with our friends or former friends. Now we have a spat with Britain. Can you talk about it? Well, of course, this memo was leaked. Um, it was an earnest, um, matter-of-fact assessment of the President of the United States. And um, his his shortcomings. Now, God knows how that memo got leaked. Um, some suspect Russia might have had a hand in it. We don't know for sure. But the bottom line is uh, the White House had declared that we're not going to deal with Kim Derrick, uh, the ambassador. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of that. And regretfully, he had to resign. So, well, I mean, he had to resign, but I think he resigned very quickly. He didn't oppose the resignation. He said, I had enough of this. This is not a a good place for me to be. It's not good for my career or the relationship between Britain and the U.S. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, um, and if you listen to some of the, uh, the comments made from those in Parliament and in the government, um, he's well-loved. So yeah. their support for him is kind of a, a, you know, a, a slap in the face to this administration. Yeah. And, and, and so that tears the relationship apart even further. Yes. And that's something I think uh, Putin would love to see happen more. Ah, let's talk about that. The first you know? thing is this is a cable. Um, and diplomatic cables are secret. You know, they're confidential. And it has to be that way because the ambassador is on a, on a, in a strange land. He's in, he's in the country that he's, you know, he's been assigned to. Right. And he has to be able to report um, with, um, you know, with confidentiality back to his boss in the home country. Straightforward. And, you know, you, you, he's got to be candid. He's got to be able to tell uh, his home country, uh, yep. you know, what's going on. Um, that's very important to 
um, define the relationship between the, and how and what policies the home country takes in dealing with the relationship with this country. So uh, diplomatic cables like pouches, you know, are special. They're sanctified. Um, somehow this got this got uh, released. I, I mean, you know, uh, uh, got released to the public and the press and all that, uh, and in quick order. Right. Um, what? How did that happen? Do you think it was somebody in the in the British embassy? I doubt it. Um, so if it wasn't somebody in the British embassy, uh, who might it have been? Well, it might have been one guy. I think that would benefit. You know, tries this all the time uh, to benefit against fragmenting people and dividing countries and policies and groups and communities. That's Putin. Yeah, and uh, it hasn't been reported, but I think it's certainly worth speculating about. It is a speculation, but. That he I did, mean, it, he did this, this plays right into his wheelhouse of yeah. trying to separate the United States from from NATO, from you know the Paris, you know, um, climate accord, and you know just separating everyone uh, from the United States so that that uh, that that union isn't as strong as it used to be. So what you have is um, is Putin, who's probably still doing it. I think uh, you know a lot of, a lot of the people who follow this firmly believe, including the. Um, intelligence agencies in this country, per, which, which have a lot of data, um, we firmly believe that Putin is still doing it and will continue to do mm -hmm. it increasingly as we ramp up to the 2020 election. And then we have Trump himself who's doing it. Uh, there was a site uh, that was written up in the New York Times called JoeBiden.info. Um, JoeBiden.info. It probably still exists. It's a spoof site, but, you know, you don't see that right away. Right. And it, all it does is it runs Joe Biden down in every which way. It mocks him. Um, it insults him and so forth. Come to find, you know, it's, it's, it's completely bad taste. It comes to come to find this guy Malden, M-A-U-L-D-I-N, is on Trump's uh, campaign committee, and he's the one who's doing this site. So Trump himself is doing this kind of divisive thing um, around the country and doing the, you know, kind of dirty politics, uh, hit politics um, himself, and it's trackable. Well, not only, you know, a fake website trashing uh, a would-be contender for the 2020, uh, what about the invitation of, come on in, if you give me all the information on my other, you know, my competition, give me all the dirt you can, and I'll be okay with that. And by the way, I may not go call the FBI that I got it from you. Yeah, right. So all I mean, those things, they're all going to come into play, aren't they? They're all, yeah, they're all coming into play. They're and right we now. have, you know, less than, we don't have that many days before the 2020 election. Yeah. And, you know, it's my hope that the CEOs of all these social media companies start really knocking out all these fake, um, you know, fake comments and, and fake followers and really try to clean it up. I mean, it, it's a never-ending job. And it's near impossible, but you got to start somewhere. Well, the thing is that you got people in Alabama and other places, as Cynthia wrote to us, who are firmly entrenched with Trump, yeah. including people I know here. I've talked to one guy. Um, yeah. Just real quick, I was doing a little interview, and I said, um, would you wear a button say, I vote Trump? Because you voted for Trump last election. He goes, yes, I did. And he said, I'll vote for him again. I said, but would you wear a button and say, I vote Trump? He goes, no, I cannot. I go, why? If you strongly believe in Donald Trump and you're going to vote for him again, why wouldn't you wear the button? He goes, because he's a racist. He's, you know, he just went down the list, what he thought Trump was, yet he's still going to vote for him. Because he's strong. And he's the best president ever. 
But the problem, you know, that you identify, the problem that you raise in that, in that story is that maybe there are people out there who, you know, did vote for Trump, <clears throat> who still feel there's Trump, there's value in Trump, but they're really afraid to talk about it. They social embarrassment. Say, they're worried about the social. embarrassment. Yep. And, and maybe the Trump base is weakening, at yep. least in, in some places. Maybe that's what you saw. And the question is, how does the Democratic Party, as I mentioned earlier um, in the Amy Walters interview this morning on NPR, how does the Democratic Party deal, deal with the rural areas, which are conservative by nature? How do they change people's minds? They've got to be moderate. They've got to be a little right. more conservative. They can't be crazy and go on, on the you know, far left. This is a bad idea. If you want to get the middle, you've got to go to the middle. Well, I'd say even go a bit further than that. Reach out to those Republicans that want to vote for somebody else. They just need the right candidate to say, yes, I'll vote for a Democrat. This also tells us one thing. Don't trust the polls because people are going to lie. And if these pundits and these political, you know, kingmakers, they start trusting the polls again, like they did in the 2016 election, it's going to be a nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Well, the Democratic Party has to come together. We're going to follow that next time. Yeah. There's so much to follow. We're going to do this all week long. We kind of do do it all week long. It's a fire hydrant of information. What can we say? Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much. Good Aloha. to see you, Jay. Aloha.